Hello, Marvelites! You're listening to Marvel's Pull List, and I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. And uh, this week we're going to run you through all the new comics on sale October 23rd, 2019, uh, along with stuff that's hitting Marvel Unlimited, some collections, all that good stuff. Uh, Tucker, anything new in your neck of the woods? Not even going to waste my words or breath. If you're a longtime Marvel podcast listener, there was the era before today in the pull list and the other episode that you recorded today and then there's the era after because i don't even want to say it you got to say it. i can't i can't have the honor there is huge changes in the world of h m yeah i have a baby wow. we adopted a baby my wife and i a little Catherine grace she's two weeks old uh yesterday or the day before on monday we're recording this on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Time is real yeah, weird. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Uh, it's going to be good. Yeah. I've got an hour of sleep. You're getting full force H&M. It's, it's great. Been waiting on this for longer than the poll list has been around. I know. I know. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. And once again, kudos to you on last week's video episode. Oh, hey, thanks. Thanks. You did a great job. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. I thought it, it came out really well. Oh, thanks. That's very nice. Yeah. Shout out to Walt Schwenk, who's producer. Uh, we also had Javon Outlaw, who was on camera and cinematography, um, and Nick Torme, who's the editor, and uh, Aiden McCarthy, who uh, helped on production and everything. And, you know, there's just a ton of people who were involved, in, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah. And um, it, it, we announced some new books in it. Um, oh, yeah. And it is very uh, Sorkin-esque in some <laughs> ways. Just real cool. Great video. Check it out on uh, all the Marvel channels. Uh, and get excited. Hawkeye Freefall. Come on. So cool. Yeah, it's going to be great. But that is so far in the future. We got to talk about new comics that are out. Right. Well, not now. For you guys. Tomorrow. Tomorrow for yes. you guys. Yes. We're going to start off with Absolute Carnage Lethal Protectors number three. That is written by Frank Thierry, art by Flaviano, colors by Federico Blee, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Now, don't be fooled. Frank Thierry, he's got a hard shell. He's a tough <laughs> Brooklyn exterior. Sent me such a sweet text. Oh, you know, come the on. day uh, we brought Catherine home. That's it was so sweet. So lovely. Uh, he's a big sweetheart. And uh, this book is not a sweet book. It is violent and <laughs> intense as you've got this crew, which is sort of a riff on the old school Maximum Carnage team, people who were involved in that classic crossover coming back together uh, at the behest of Iron Fist to fight all the Carnages. The Doppel Carnages? Yes. Right? All the Fyodor Dostoevsky. Yeah. Doppelgangers. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, but we've got uh, Firestar in this book. We've got Iron Fist, Cloak and Dagger. You've got a Deathlock in here. It's it's super fun. Morbius. Uh, and it, you just get them taking on a whole host of Carnage Doppelgangers, as well as the new Demo Goblin, who was previously Shriek, who is like super amped up. It's a lot of fun. They're all trying to find Misty Knight and save her. Big little bits of horror and tying right into the big finale that's coming up in Absolute Carnage. That's where the story is going to continue for these characters. Nice. Going from the world of Absolute Carnage to the world of the Agents of Atlas. This is Agents of Atlas number three. It's written by Greg Pak. With art by Nico Leon, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. I think Greg Pak is like one of, you know, for me, he's one of the most underrated writers of the last 15 years or so. I know a lot of people love Greg Pak. A lot of people are huge Greg Pak fans. I'm one of them. But he just delivers on every single issue. And this is 
continuing to be one of my favorite team books uh, that we have at the moment at the House of Ideas because it's just crackling. It's bubbling with energy. He just has this very, very special ability to conjure up something special, something indefinable about this team that you at times can't put your finger on, but you just know that it works and you know it's right. We are continuing to learn more about the portal city of Pan. We are continuing to learn more about Isaac Ikeda, who is a new creation, a new character here in this series. And it is all couched, of course, like I was saying, like in this kind of great pseudo family dynamic and atmosphere of the Agents of Atlas. The little moments in this, there's just there's a shot of like people's shoes on the floor. And I Mm -hmm. thought that was such a nice touch of just like this is who they are. This is the yeah. respect that they have for their like for their headquarters. Like there's just these little things that I thought put this book over the edge. Yeah, completely. It, it is. It's a a special read. Like seeing Greg's uh, appreciation and command of all of this stuff, but then also just strictly as a great superhero book. All right, we're uh, we're about to hit a an amazing tunnel where That's everything's right. amazing. And first up is my first pick of the week. Amazing Mary Jane number one. This is written by Leah Williams with art by Carlos Gomez. Colors by Carlos Lopez and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. I read this this morning. It's got lots of like cute like references and things. There's um, the credits page is done as a movie poster, like a, mm-hmm. almost like Gone with the Wind-esque poster of Mysterio and Mary Jane embraced the top copy says a fantastical science fiction epic from marvel comics the publisher that brought you amazing spider-man number 42 the infinity gauntlet daredevil born again and spider-man loves mary jane that to me right there is leah williams that is leah being like first appearance of mary jane infinity gauntlet where half the universe is destroyed for love daredevil born again one of the greatest stories in marvel comics history about uh you know matt murdoch rising from the ashes and spider-man loves mary jane which is one of my favorite all-time series that I don't think gets enough enough love, and that was like um, a YA Spider-Man Mary Jane series where she wasn't the like I wouldn't say the full lead, but mm-hmm. you know we say this is the first Mary Jane solo title in Amazing Mary Jane. It was kind of yeah. you know Spider-Man loves Mary Jane, but they, you know Spidey was a little bit bigger part of it. Mm-hmm. This is full Mary Jane spotlight, and it's so good. Mary Jane has gone to Hollywood. Because she got a big offer for a job. Uh, this leads directly out of the pages of Amazing Spider-Man where she, you know, she saved the day by acting. And uh, <laughs> it was, it's really cool. We see her on the set of her movie. I don't want to spoil what the movie is because I didn't know what it was going to be going into it. And it's so fun. And we get great cameos and appearances from some random characters. I'm going to say one of them because I love them. It's the kangaroo. Yeah. Who's just... He's in my list of villains I love because nobody else does. And he shows up here and he's he's great. This is also a romance comic. And it was something I was talking with James Monroe Iglehart about on This Week in Marvel. We don't have a lot of romance comics. Uh, We were talking specifically because John Romita Sr. had a huge career doing romance comics back in the 50s. And that his first issue was in our This Week in Marvel history. And James was like, yeah, we need more romance comics. And I didn't even realize going into this, there, this has this wonderful, sweet romance of Mary Jane and Peter Parker. And it is like adorable and cute and so beautifully drawn, uh, their connection in this issue. But on top of that, you have this 
interesting mystery with Mary Jean's job. You have the cool villains. There's action, gorgeous character designs, and like just you know something we talk about a, a lot is fashion and the thought yeah. that's put into what characters are wearing, and that's a really important thing when you know when it's done well. You're just like yeah, they look good. Yeah, they like look like people should, and that that is in this book. I can't suggest this highly enough. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, that's the thing about it that really gets to the heart of what's special about this book. It's It's got that that classic Marvel roots of the romance comic, but it's so modern. And that's why Leah is the perfect person to do it because uh, having her on this book is just one of the most exciting things going on right now. Uh, but going from the first amazing book we have this week to the second one, this is Amazing Spider-Man number 32. It's written by Nick Spencer with art. Here he is, folks, making his... Full issue, Amazing Spider-Man interior pencil debut. Patrick Gleason is here with colors by Matthew Wilson uh, and letters on here by VCs Joe Caramagna. If you are a, a Marvel true believer and don't read any of our Distinguished Competitions mm-hmm. book, Patrick Gleason came to us from the other side of the world with DC. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy he's here. Yeah, uh, His style, like I'm just looking at the issue from afar and his use of like thick lines and stuff. It's pretty insane having Ryan Otley be a penciler on this series and Pat Gleason on this series. It's like having two all-star. It's like having an all-star starter and an all-star like reliever. I don't know, baseball terms, but uh, it's like, it's kind of bonkers. So these like truly, uh, next level artists are are bouncing back and forth working on this series. It's really, really amazing. And specifically, it's this very subtle command of facial expressions in these moments. You have these little interactions where not only obviously is Pat a master of framing out a scene. I mean, I'm looking at some pages here where it's it's just three characters kind of sitting around a table talking, but it's, it's how that conveys the words that they're saying at that very specific moment, it's these perfect little snapshots of this conversation. And then on the Nick Spencer side of things, the writing side of things, the concept side of things, we have uh, Spider-Man 2099 who's involved here now. And that's kind of just the beginning. There's a bunch of twists and turns that go on in this comic. When I step back and look at what he has done in these first 32 issues, I'm blown away by the magnitude of this story. He is not leaving any stone unturned. He's going and touching every single corner of Spidey lore, it feels like, of Peter's life. Uh, He's just saying, I want this piece of this story. I want this piece. I want this piece. It's all mine. It's all part of this cohesive vision. Uh, And you can feel it. You can really, really feel it. Each issue is, I feel like, better than the last. Yeah. Yeah. And 2099, man. I'm excited. Come on. It's fun stuff. It's the greatest. Yeah. So exciting. All right, up next is Amazing Spider-Man Full Circle. It's my first pick of the week. Yeah, Tucker. But I will read you the creative team so you don't have to do it because there's a lot of them in this book. First up, the writers. Jonathan Hickman, Jerry Duggan, Nick Spencer, Kelly Thompson, Al Ewing, Chip Zdarsky, and Jason Aaron. Wow. That's your all-star team right there. Yeah. And then pencilers. Chris Bishalo, Greg Smallwood, Michael Allward, Valerio Schiti, Chris Sprouse, Rachel Slott, Cameron Stewart, Mark Bagley, Inkers, Tim Townsend, Alve, Greg Smallwood, Mike Allred, Valeria Skeety, Carl Story, Rachel Stott, Cameron Stewart, John Dell, Colorist, Chris Pashalo, Greg Smallwood, Laura Allred, Mattia Iacano, Dave McCaig, Triona Farrell, Nathan Fairbain, Frank Darmada, and of course brought all together by ya boy, New Jersey's own Joe Caramagna. Look, you read that credits page. Need I say more about why this is my pick of the week? 
So that's the dream team. It is so fun to have creators in charge of this book who are not just obviously some of the best writers in the game, but who are so diverse in terms of the books you imagine them writing. We have Jonathan Hickman on this book, and he is the master of ideas. But his books have such a specific tone and they they have such a specific take. It's that thing of you opened a book, you could tell that you're reading a Jonathan Hickman book. And then you have someone like Kelly Thompson, who has her own very specific brand. You know, and I could say that about every single writer on here. uh, And I could say that about every single artist on this book. And because it's split up, this book is split up into... You know, each creator having their own 10 page segment of this one cohesive story. I don't want to say too much narratively. I really want to encourage readers to go and and dive in and experience them all individually. It's just a delight, not only on that story level, but on a meta level where you know, literally finishing the first story there and you see where Spidey ends up and you just know it's like a big, like, Try that one on for size. Yeah, Hickman's just <laughs> yeah. like strutting around like, all right, there you go. You guys go play. Yeah, exactly. go back to my mutant world. It's the best. It's like it's a relay race where you're trying to trip the next runner up as you pass the baton. That's the best way I can describe it. Uh, okay, moving on now from Full Circle to Avengers number 25. This is by Jason Aaron and Stefano Caselli uh, with colors by Jason Keith with Eric Arseniega and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. This issue is called Spirit of Vengeance, and it is called that for a lot of good reasons. I'm thinking specifically for three good reasons, and those are Johnny Blaze, Robbie Reyes, and Frank Castle of the future, the Cosmic Ghost Rider. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm with you. I'm following along. Uh, there's a dragon. lot of flaming skulls in this comic, and uh, you are seeing no complaints from me. I love that kind of natural juxtaposition going on in this series because you have the Avengers and you think of the Avengers, the Earth, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. They have a very specific brand of heroism, uh, and it's not one you automatically associate with the underworld, with the spirits of vengeance. Um, but to see those paired together and see that, you know, the Avengers piloting like this cosmic underworld pirate ship, Viking ship kind of thing, like... There is so much going on here that is in itself uh, just a delight. Obviously, Ghost Rider, um, thinking of Johnny and Danny Catch, have been on a lot of people's minds recently given Ed Brisson and Aaron Cooter's new uh, Ghost Rider series. Uh, But uh, this issue, uh, as it continues the amazing work that uh, Jason has been doing uh, across Avengers and how big of an influence Robbie has been, how big of an influence, um, go, you know, the, the mantle of Ghost Rider has been on this book uh, really since issue one. Uh, it's a great time for Ghost Rider fans. It's just so packed full of that Jason Aaron embracing like the kind of metal side of stories and his storytelling. You know what I keep coming back to so often? It was the most recent Thor run prior to King Thor. It was Mike Del Mundo on art. It might have been like Thor number seven. There was like the train that was like there and he was like using like yeah, with song Hela lyrics. Yeah. And, and he has the big monster truck. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that was that was issue five or six, I think. Right. That spirit is what I feel here, um, in parentheses, of vengeance. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, it's just the best. It's Jason Aaron. Come on. Heck yeah. Uh, all right. Up next is 
Contagion. Number oh. four. All right? You like yeah, that? That's great. Yeah, Contagion number four is written by Ed Brisson, art by Damien Cusiero, colors by Veronica Gandini, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Uh, this one is the gnarly, gross body horror fungus following around everybody, and it just claims more victims in here. I love that Ed dives into the weird well of magic stuff in the Marvel Universe with uh, Senor Magico and this other group of just Q-level villains, uh, yeah. Q-level magicians. Yeah, yeah. I, Senor Magico, for yeah. me, he's like up there. The rest of these guys, I got I to gotta know more about them, but I like that they're here. And I love that Magico just talks smack about Doctor Strange all issue long. It is so much fun. It makes me so happy. Uh, we've got that. They're, they're trying to figure out how to stop this plague from taking over everyone. And spoiler, it's not going well, Tucker. <laughs> it is going very poorly. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how they're going to wrap it up. Our next book is Fearless Number 4, which is composed of three different stories. The first is called Campfire Song Part 4, and that's written by the great Sean McGuire with art by Claire Rowe, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. The second one is Atmosphere. That's written by my fave, Teeny Howard, with art by Rosie Campy, colors by Munsa Vicente. And the last one is Golden Girls and Two Gals Eating Ice Cream, which is written by Trina Robbins with art by Marguerite Sauvage. And letters throughout are by Cardinal Ray. There is a really fascinating kind of ethos that has emerged throughout these four issues among these heroes. It's really, really cool to see what they have in common. We have some really great Kamala narration throughout this, which I think is just such a smart and beautiful move. If you had to pick a character in recent times, I don't even want to put a year limit on it, who has captured the spirit and magic really of early Peter Parker, early Amazing Fantasy 15 it is absolutely, for me, Kamala Khan. And so to have her be uh, a kind of companion to the reader in a lot of ways in this story is not only a brilliant move, but a really touching one. Now, we go to Atlantis, and we have abs. Hot boy. We got nips. Yeah. We got big, wide man spread. He's like, Namor. That's he's, what he does. He's on a throne, so he's not getting in anyone's way. But it's not a Namor story. Yeah, exactly. We have uh, this really, really interesting entry point underwater, undersea, and it's an unexpected journey w that we take on this one that I really, really enjoyed. And then when we talk about throwing it back to old school stuff, the latter stories, there's a really great, almost kind of vintage feel to the final tales, which I really, really enjoyed. And specific shouts out to the colors. The Trina Robbins stuff yeah. at the end, like yeah. focusing on the real world women who made Marvel back in the day first at like some of the the artists from mm -hmm. the timely era so good it was really funny i loved it the, there's a one pager of marie severin and flo steinberg just talking yeah crying i was yeah. crying my eyes out because i knew flo i miss her terribly she used to come into my office i office i shared with john cerilli she would complain about people she'd gossip <laughs> she'd make jokes she would make sure we were taken care of like I miss Flo so much that, like, even now I'm thinking about that one-page story crushed me. Yeah. It was so good. It captured who Flo was in just a little bit. And I've never met Marie Severin, but, I mean, she's a legend. Mm -hmm. That 
almost got my pick of the week for that one page. I yeah. mean, the rest of the book is great. Yeah. But that one page was so special to me. Uh, I'm really glad we published it. Uh, what's next? All right. We've got Future Fight First's Luna Snow, number one. It's written by Alyssa Wong with art by Gang Hyuk Lim. Letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Boy, oh boy, this one is super cool because Luna Snow, she's the K-pop superstar created for Marvel Future Fight and kind of a, you know, a phenomenon in terms of characters that have been created in other, you know, Marvel media. We've been creating some of these Marvel characters for games, but she's really stuck as she's got like a song and a video and all this other stuff. But this is her origin story. And it is beautiful. The art in here, Gang Hyuk Lim, just crushing it. There's just like vibrancy and excitement and you feel the motion. His panel layouts are really neat. Ultimately, the story is Luna Snow was part of a K-pop band. She gets caught up in the middle of an AIM heist and through some science because better living through science, Tucker. Mm-hmm. That's AIM. She gets some superpowers and she becomes Luna Snow, superstar, K-pop, superhero. It's great. It's really good. There's also a backup in here focusing on the future Avengers. That's what we've been getting in this future fight first. The future Avengers, the stars of the Japanese animated television show. It's written by Alyssa Wong. Breakdowns by Ali Garza. Finishes by Corey Hampshire. Colors by Dono Sanchez Almada. And letters by VC Josephino. And it's cool. It's just more of these adventures really getting you acclimated to characters. We really don't have much insight into because they are from an anime that I don't believe has ever been fully brought over here. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Next up for me is my second pick of the week, and it is Immortal Hulk number 25. It's cheating. I know. I know it's not fair for me to pick Immortal Hulk because every issue is cheating with how good it is. But yeah, of course, it's written by Al Ewing. And then we have primary art on here is by Herman Garcia with colors by Chris O'Halloran. And then we also have pencils by Joe Bennett, inks by Roy Jose, colors by Paul Mounts. That team works together. Letters throughout are by VC's Corey Pettit. If you were at New York Comic Con and Marvel Comics Next Big Thing panel specifically, you got a little bit of a peek inside this issue It is a really big one. In a lot of ways, Immortal Hulk has been leading to this issue. It's it's pretty amazing to see how much work has been done for the Immortal Hulk, I mean, for the character over the first 24 issues, just to see Al taking that character, taking everything that everyone knows about Bruce Banner and putting his spin on it and just making that the reality that we all know and love now. And then we come to issue number 25, which if you open it up, I think part of you might be like, where am I? What book am I reading? The other part of you is going to be like, Uh, Yeah, of course I'm reading Immortal Hulk because this is one of the few books that could do something like this. And what I mean by that is not only are we out somewhere across space and time, who knows exactly, but we're also being introduced to a character. This is my favorite part of this, this issue. It is an entirely new creation and the most fascinating exciting part of it for me is that it's not even a humanoid character that is an incredibly difficult thing to do because just our human brains associate with you know humanoid figures and we just can give life and character and and understanding to them a lot easier than essentially a kind of a shape 
without eyes, without really a face as we know it, without really arms as we know it. But that's what this team dares to do. And of course, they absolutely crush it. The coolest thing also about this for me, and and I'm okay saying this because it was mentioned at that panel at Comic-Con, was this space where this story begins, it's full of color and life and beauty and it's blues and oranges and yellows and purples and all this amazing array, but there's one color that's missing here and it's green. That is on a premise level alone like spine tingling and then as we dig further into the story as we learn about this this new character this new figure it is kind of impossible work that this team is doing and and yet they're doing it so well again given the things that we know that we're not allowed to talk about this is a mega mega issue in immortal hulk a series that we already know is going to go down in history And I I think this issue is going to be looked back upon as an important turning point for the entire series. It is just incredible work across the board. It is a challenging issue. Yeah. I had to stop it and start over again. Yeah. Because I I was like, wait, what are we doing? Even with the character's name, they're challenging. And and I say that in the best way. I was like, oh, this is like, step back. Here we go. And I think it's a really interesting thing that we would take one of our most popular, critically acclaimed, fan love, like everything series, and for like 25 pages do something absolutely, completely different Mm -hmm. that is also completely intrinsic and in line with everything else that the book is. It is fascinating. This book continues to amaze and astound me, and I am so proud of that team for doing what they do. Uh, all right. We have Ghost Spider number three, written by Shauna McGuire, with art by Takeshi Miyazawa, inks by Takeshi and Rosie Campy, with colors by Ian Herring and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Uh, you know, I've talked about this a bunch. I just love the world building of having Gwen Stacy, aka Ghost Spider, shifting between her 65 and her 616 and building a different life and having fun. And there's a positivity. Like, there's something to be said for a main character to enjoy her life mm-hmm. and have problems, but have friends and have mysteries. And, and she's not burying her best friend every issue. She's not going up against death every issue. There's a, a joyousness to this book amidst evil stuff and bad dudes. And like the jackal is the worst. He's two steps away from illegal business yeah. with keep clear of saying too much, <laughs> even taking that into account. It's still such a fun, buoyant book, and I love that about it. All right, I'm powering through here, going to Journey to Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, Allegiance, number three. This is written by Ethan Sachs with art by Luke Ross, colors by Lee Lowridge, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is part three, Dark Side of the Moon. Um, There is really, really fun stuff going on in in this book on the planet of Mon Cala, uh, which I adore. Um, There's been uh, some really, really great, interesting leaps being made by Ethan and company here in terms of the sequel trilogy and everything going on with all those characters. Thinking of Admiral Akbar, thinking of General Leia, everybody going on on that planet. I love this issue because we get some great thin kind of fly by the seat of your pants heroism in quotes, which is just the best. We get Ray being Ray 
and her badass self, Rose Tico, uh, one of my favorite new characters. There is a bunch going on here. It really carries the spirit and the kind of chaotic energy of Star Wars, which I think is so important. As with any Star Wars book that I read, it's really about does it capture the tone and the spirit of what Star Wars is. And a lot of what Star Wars is is just like, Trust us and come along for the ride. And that's exactly what this book feels like. Okay, going from Star Wars now to King Thor number two. This is written by Jason Aaron with art by Asad Rubich. Colors by Ives Sorcina and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Oh, man. At each one of these issues, it could be a series finale in its own right. It could be. It has that weight and that like absolutely massive scale across the board this one is kind of centered around a huge fight between thor and loki uh, as seen on the beautiful cover by asad there is a weight to each page of this book that can only be earned by seven eight years of storytelling as put in ahead of this book by Jason Aaron. It's it's really that simple. The amount of amazing work that he's done over those years. If you're a longtime reader of The Mighty Thor and Thor God of Thunder, the like, all of the stuff in the back catalog and everything, then you feel that. I kind of think even if you don't, you still feel it. The tension and the weight in the air between Thor and Loki, the words that they use, the way that they interact with each other, the heaving blows that they give each other is something that you can feel a lineage behind it. And that's not just down to character, that's down to Mr. Jason Aaron as well. It is continuing to be a worthy end to an unbelievable landmark bit of storytelling by this team. Uh, Obviously, we started with Jason and Asad, and we're ending here. Master at work, Zen Master. Zen Master, who's like a 6'6 Croatian dude who can down a... a, a, Pitcher of beer in yeah, one yeah, gulp. Yeah, yeah. He's the man. Yeah. He's great. Oh, Tucker, are you ready, matey? Arg. It is time for Marauders number one. It's me second pick of the week. Come on. Oh, my Lord. This book is so good. It is it, Jerry. Jerry, yeah, man. Let's get into it. Uh, written by Jerry Duggan. Art by Matteo Loli. Colors by Federico Blee, letters by VCs Corey Pettit, designed by Tom Muller and Jonathan Hickman. And yeah, the title of this issue, issue one, I'm on a boat. <laughs> Getting in there. This one is having fun. We're ready for a good time. It stars Kitty Pride, who, as you'll see in this issue, will now be known as Kate Pride. And there's a reason for it, and it is wonderful. But the the inciting incident here is that Kitty at this point tries to go through one of the Krakoan gates. She's going home with the rest of mutant kind. And she goes to walk through the gate, slams face first, busting up her nose, getting a black eye. She can't go through. Dun, dun, dun. Why can't she go through? Well, that's not answered here. That's not for (laughs) us to answer in this issue. That just sets us off on the story of what's going on. Kitty steals a boat with uh, Lockheed and they go sailing Lockheed bringing her little treats from the from the ocean I love Lockheed one of my favorite characters so fun if you've never read Young Dragons in Love from Uncanny X-Men it's an issue like one 
70s, somewhere in there. Tremendous, tremendous issue. Really fun. But ultimately, the main point of this is Emma Frost needs a captain of a ship. She is building the Hellfire Trading Corporation. There are many nations who want the Krakoan medicines. And in exchange, you know, they grant Krakoa sovereignty. And Emma Frost and a number of other mutants are using the trading corporation to find a way to sneak mutants out of places that they are in hostile territory, which I think is such a beautiful, that is the X-Men to me. Like mm-hmm. that is finding, you know, uh, mutants, saving mutants, hoping for a better future for their people. Here you get incredible action by Kitty Pride, who is the best X-Man. I will fight you, Tucker, if you want to <laughs> argue with me. She is so great. She gets a sword in this issue. She, she, recruits a bunch of her friends to be part of her crew. And they are calling themselves the Marauders. There's even like a discussion about the name because the name in, in mutant kind has a terrible connotation. Mm-hmm. The Marauders are mutant slaughterers. It is funny. What we put out as previews is not nearly the best stuff from this issue. We were holding it back, you guys. There's some really beautiful character work. Everything about this book is tremendous. I am only angry at this because I do not get another issue next week. I have been trained by House of X and Powers of Ten to expect another issue next week. And I'm not getting it. It's going to be a month. But we've got more Dawn of X coming every week. So it'll be okay. But before we get to that, we have to read Star Wars number 73. And I am delighted to do so. Uh, it's written by Greg Pak with art by Phil Noto. This arc has been so much fun seeing Leia and Han together, seeing... Really, my favorite element, Chewie and 3PO go off on this kind of mission. Their mission is to go destroy this planet. They thought it was this lifeless planet. Could be a great blow against the Empire. They go. They realize that there are these, like, very adorable, sweet rock people that live there. And now they're conflicted. They don't know what to do. They're kind of cornered at this point. Don't Darth- kill the innocent people, you know. jerks. Yeah, and Darth Vader's involved. It's it's all really, really awesome. They're in a tough spot, which is always fun to see uh, your favorite characters challenged like that. And then we have Luke, who is on his own very unique personal journey that is really, really doing a bunch to fill in that gap between Luke turning off his targeting computer and destroying the Death Star and Luke using the Force to pull his lightsaber out of the Hoth snow and escape from the Wampa. There's a lot there in terms of his journey with the force and we're getting that a lot here it's really really great greg and phil two of the best in the biz um another great star wars i have a wampa rug in uh, oh, really? my baby's room that we've had <laughs> for years which has become the cat's like bed yeah i don't know what to do because <laughs> it's got to get out of the baby room but the cats love it so yeah. much and it's so cute <laughs> anyway also uh shout out to john christopher tyler his action figure variant for this issue of Star Wars yeah, that's great. is a wraparound Rancor cover. It is so good. Yeah. Did they make a Rancor toy? They must have at they some point. They had to, right? There's, there's also, he also does the oh. Rancor Keeper uh, action figure variant, which is a delight. The poor guy whose pet yeah. died. I think it was more than his pet. <laughs> it was his friend. That yeah. always just kills me. In Return yeah, of Jedi. Great anyway, yeah. let's move over to Punisher Kill Crew. Number four, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Juan Ferreira, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Oh boy, this is an issue and a half. It opens up with one of the coolest panels in comics right now. It is Black Knight flying through the air with his ebony sword slicing off a dark elf's head. 
It is so cool. And if you're excited about the Black Knight, you know, Dane Whitman, you're like, mm-hmm. hey, who's this guy? Check this book out. It is good. It is gorgeous. The whole point is that Punisher is leading his kill crew across different realms looking for essentially war criminals from the War of the Realms and just giving them what for. His crew includes <laughs> the menacing Foggy Nelson, Juggernaut. You, you think, well, you know, Foggy Nelson, but Juggernaut is there getting out of the van and they recruit Dane Whitman in this issue. It is a lot of just like montage bits of them going around and doing stuff. There's this great double page spread here because Juan is so good. I could look at anything he does. Strip yeah. all the, yeah. the copy away. You still know what the story yeah. is. Then you add the copy on and you're like, oh, it's so funny and so fantastic. The ultimate goal for Punisher is sort of the, the frost giant who set him down this path. And it, it's nasty and brutal. There's one point where a frost giant's leg gets hammered backwards and mm-hmm. like there's limbs and things like collateral off. what there's a scene in the movie collateral that i think about all the time where tom cruise is like fighting his way through a nightclub and he steps perpendicular on a guy's leg oh, on his knee no, and just, it. <laughs> just oh, like God. that it's it's similar to this book Yo, yeah. i do not want uh <laughs> but it is gorgeous i forget that you're a cruise head all the time <laughs> cruise head but yeah this one so good i love punisher kill cruise so much it is gnarly Okay, next up I have Strike Force number two. It's written by, hey, my fave again, Teeny Howard, with art by Herman Peralta, colors by Miroslav Merva, and letters and design by VCs Joe Sabino. This team, look, the remit of this book was very clear. This team does things that other teams can't or won't do, and you feel that. You can feel that in this whole story. It is such a unique team book in that way. That's what I love about it. We don't just get the crackling dialogue, the great interactions and moments that we know and expect from Teeny, but we get these really awesome moments of action. Great Monica Rambeau stuff, which is super exciting if you're a Monica Rambeau fan like me. And then we have like these other quieter moments, which at times can kind of be the most dramatic of all, which is just super, super fun to see and read and go on that roller coaster ride. Because when you think you've peaked and then come down and hit a valley and, you know, need a, a moment to breathe, it hits you again. That is uh, the mark of a great book. Heck yeah. We've got Marvel's Spider-Man Velocity number three, written by Dennis Hopeless Hallam with art by Emilio Laiso, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. This one ties into Marvel's Spider-Man exclusively for PlayStation 4, following up on the story uh, and really telling the tale of how Spider-Man got his cool velocity suit, the one that was designed by Mr. Adi Granov. And by doing that, it introduces this new character. And it's, as you saw at the end of last issue, it is a speedster character. And it's a really cool take on what a speedster character is and fits it into this world, which is different it's more science-based it's really uh kind of neat seeing that this person moves so fast people think they're a ghost but they're not Mm. they're just moving really really fast we get the origin story we get context for why this character is causing so much chaos being so violent and fighting spider-man and i i love the spider-man in this universe one because he gets into the science of it all like trying to figure out some stuff there's this great shot of Peter upside down hanging by a web and doing science with his like lab coat on, but he's upside yeah. down. It's just such a 
great little moment right yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Okay, wrapping it up this week with the final two books. The first is Tony Stark, Iron Man, number 17. It's written by Dan Slott and Christos Gage with art by Francesco Mana, colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. We have Arno Stark here. We have Tony. And then we also have Hank Pym and Ultron. There's really great biotech and tech and biology and physiology. There's been a, a, a great study of that, the kind of line between man and machine going on in this series, which is super fascinating. Fun fact, I wrote a thesis for my college degree, and it was called More Machine Than Man, mm. a reference to Star Wars uh, <laughs> on brand. And, Did you write it about Vader? Uh, chapter one was about Star Wars. Absolutely unreadable. Anyway, this issue here uh, has a really, really, really cool throwdown between the Hank Pym slash Ultron kind of fusion man or machine and Tony Stark, who has himself been fused as a result at the end of last issue with his armor. The way it's visualized by Francesco on the art is absolutely perfect. It's really cool. It is, uh, you know, it's kind of Tony Stark in a way that you haven't imagined him before. To see that all go down is really, really cool. We also get some great roadie stuff in here, which I am pumped about. As always, uh, one of my favorite characters, awesome stuff going on in Tony Stark Iron Man. Of course, it all is leading either way to Iron Man 2020 coming in January, which everybody is pumped about. And we're wrapping up this week with Valkyrie Jane Foster number four. This is by writers Al Ewing and Jason Aaron with art by Kafu, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters and production by VCs Joe Sabino. I can't stop thinking about Kafu. I mean, his art is incredible. Can't stop thinking about Kafu. Hey, that's like the, the new uh, War of the Realms theme. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be sweeping the nation. You know, I kind of think of Kafu, I mean, especially with these gorgeous covers by Jesus Abertov, in the same family almost as Juan Ferreira, in the same family almost as Jesus Saiz, who's going to be taking over Star Wars, which is super exciting. There's a beautiful painterly quality to them. There's something that is very tangible about their characters. And boy, is there a bunch going on with a bunch of different characters in this book. Something that I think for me has become a hallmark of Jason Aaron's stories over the last, like we talked about earlier, seven, eight, ten years is kind of anthropomorphic animals. I think of Thori the Hellhound. I think of a bunch of different uh, kind of fun sidekick animal characters that have popped up over the years. Here we have the talking winged horse, which is just a great, delightful addition. Something that Al Ewing mentioned again at that uh, panel, uh, the Marvel Comics Next Big Thing panel at New York Comic Con. He said that um, uh, uh, when he was working on this story and writing this with Jason, he said that uh, he insisted on making that horse a very northern horse as in northern England um, uh, which is where Al lives and uh, um, uh, uh, you can feel that here it's it's all so much fun there's a ton going on in this series if you love Jane Foster if you love the mighty Thor um, then you understand the levels that we can reach here there is also no I should not say who pops up in this issue I was dun, wondering dun, dun. if they're probably there on the cover they are not uh, but tune in and, and, and read to find out big stuff in this issue yeah 
It was a good week, Tuck. Yeah, it was. There's also a bunch of collections, right? There are. Collections on sale include uh, Amazing Spider-Man by Nick Spencer, Volume 5, Behind the Scenes, Daredevil Epic Collection, A Woman Called Widow, Doctor Strange Epic Collection, Triumph and Torment, Fantastic Four, Behold, Galactus, Marvel Select, Mutant X, The Complete Collection, Volume 2, Spider-Man Life Story. What? Hello? Go grab that right now. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and X-Men Milestones Executioner's Song. Yes. Uh, let's wrap things up by telling you a couple of things that are on Marvel Unlimited this week. Second issue of Major X. The final issue of Avengers No Road Home. New issue of uh, Shuri is on there. Issue two of Spider-Man Life Story. So if you need another reason to get in there, get in there. Yep. Lots of War of the Realms stuff, including War of the Realms number two. War of the Realms Punisher number one, which will... Uh, if you're liking Punisher Kill Crew, you get into this. And then we get into some of the old stuff. And this made me so happy. There's some weird books in here. X-Men Spotlight on Starjammers. Great. Uh, a couple of issues of Bizarre Adventures. We've talked about those recently. Carnage, It's a Wonderful Life, which is drawn by Kyle Hotz from 1996. Issue one of Black Wolf with a U, Black Wolf, which I've never read. I've only heard about. Century Distant Suns, number one. Again, Never read it. It's weird. This is like yeah. random one-off book. Yeah. Marvel Frontier Comics Unlimited number one, which is a Marvel UK thing, which I'm super excited to check out. A bunch of other issues. And then most importantly, Phoenix, the Untold Story, which is really cool if you are a fan of the Dark Phoenix saga. Well, they actually had a different plan mm-hmm. and they were going to go in a different direction. This is showing some of those pages because they were drawn, they were plotted, and oh, wow. it just didn't go that way. Really fascinating That's awesome. stuff. Uh, man, Marvel Unlimited is so good. The best. You're also the best, Tucker. Thank oh. you for sticking through this with me. Uh, my one hour of sleep. I think we did well. <laughs> I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. This is Marvel. You're yours.